Welcome to the show, everyone. My name is Emily. And I'm Paige. And I am a beautiful painting hanging up in Carlisle's study. And I am also a beautiful painting hanging up in a church in the 1900s. However, I'm getting roasted by a pasty white vampire who hasn't even done a single art piece in his entire life. And you're listening to Tuesdays Are for Twilight. How's your day, Paige? How's it going? It's going great. I just bought Let's Go Pikachu for my Switch, and I played it for about 45 minutes, and it's pretty fun. So um, if we could make this podcast go as fast as possible, I uh, have a hot date waiting for me. (laughs) Okay, I'll keep that in mind. Are we ever going to talk about the true pain and grief that there is for us now that Papa's is gone? I was just thinking about that the other day. I just I just remembered Papa's and I was like, the memories are too too raw. I can't. You're like me and you need to go to therapy for it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Flipline Studios, you owe me compensation for the trauma that I've gone through. <laughs> I'm entitled to compensation. Mm-hmm. Um, exciting news for me, folks. I get my first vaccine shot tomorrow. Hell yeah, hell yeah. Woohoo! I have, like, one of those plastic flags that you spin around. It's like... (laughs) (laughs) Also, I feel like this will, um, like, you'll be as mad about this as I was. So today I had to film this thing at work, and we have this thing called the Mars Yard. It's, like, meant to simulate the Mars surface. And we were filming in it, and there was, like, all these footprints, because you can walk around in it, but we were, like trying to simulate like being the first human on Mars with the thing that we were filming. And so I was like, oh, I'm going to rake this because there's a rake. And so like you have to go through this back door to like get in or whatever. And so I grabbed the rake and all the like everyone I was filming with was watching me. And I was like, you guys know what I feel like right now? I feel like at that one talent show where Squidward goes out and no one cheers for him. And then SpongeBob goes out and he's mopping and everyone cheers for him, you know? And they all were like, no. And I was like, I quit. (laughs) Just How kidding. old are these people? One was our, two were our age, and then three were older, but still. The people who are our age, you need to get yourself in check. For real. Although I think one of them did know about it because she was like, oh, yeah, I remember that after I like, had to explain it, which is embarrassing for me. They're just, there is something so wholesome about reconnecting with even a straight, I mean, a coworker, it's fun but a stranger about Spongebob because you, if you know, you know, and yep. you'll laugh. I have a Spongebob sweatshirt that's the Krusty Krab pizza. And it's basically the, I know that, you know, I know that you've seen it, but it's basically the part where Spongebob and Squidward are walking together and Spongebob is saying all the different or singing all the different Krusty Krab pizza theme songs. And this particular image on my sweatshirt is the, when he's going, and his mouth is just like really like tiny. I can't describe it. But anytime I wear that sweatshirt, I have at least one person comment on it. And that's the person I want to talk to. So if you ever see someone and you guys have a SpongeBob connection, you just ride it, ride that connection. It's a lot of fun. Absolutely. In other exciting news, I know you're going to scream. Teen Wolf is finally on Hulu, and I'm, like, eight episodes deep in season one. I mean, I've already watched up the first, like, four or five seasons, but just rewatching it, it's so, so good. The first season is is okay, you know? It's definitely not the best one, but I just know how good it's going to get, and I'm so excited. I am not screaming, folks, only because Paige told me this last night, and she is being courteous enough to retell it for y'all, and I did my screaming then. I literally sent her a screaming Snapchat where I was like, yes, I can't wait to talk to you about it again, and I'm so excited for you to finish it because literally no one else I know has finished it. I'm really excited. I I literally have no idea. I, the last thing I remember is, I'll, I'm not, no spoilers, but the where Jaguar, that whole storyline. That's the last thing that I saw. I think it's after four, after it got separated into two seasons. Right, right. Okay. Yeah, because three is two and then four is one. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I definitely also spoiled a major plot point for you, but it's fine. <laughs> Maybe I won't bring it up if you don't remember. It was like a ship. I um I had drank 
two margaritas at that point. So it's possible I don't remember. When? When were we talking about this? Was it last night? Is that what you're talking about? Because I have no memory of you saying anything to me last night. No, when I fin- when it happened, when I was finishing it, like two years ago, I, I like literally texted you like screaming <laughs> about it. I don't remember. <laughs> okay, well, that's good. Then you'll be a fresh mind. That's the one good thing about me. Information goes in and then it comes right on out. <laughs> Speaking of which, we read this week the fucking Bible, it felt like. And this chapter was 40 pages, the one for next week, 35. I was just telling Paige before we started recording, this motherfucker Edward Cullen cannot shut up. It's like, we get it. Move on. Yeah, a lot of this chapter was the same idea over and over and over and over and over again. With that in mind, what did you think of this chapter, Confessions? It was exactly what I thought it was going to be. A lot of self-deprecation, a lot of agony for no reason, a lot of self-turmoil, and then once he decides, you know, I'm over that. I'm a new guy. I'm turning over a new leaf. A lot of, I have to keep Bella safe. Her safety is my number one priority. I will not hurt her. And that's it. That's the whole chapter. Honestly, we could end the episode here 11 minutes in. And then like a page or two about him like having a boner, but he doesn't want to talk about it. Oh my God, I so have that written down. Okay, well, with that in mind, I guess we'll jump in. So we left off in the last chapter with him dramatically stepping into the sun and then the chapter ending in the meadow. So it's weird because I actually was like, what? Because Bella screams and I'm like, I don't think she fucking did that in Twilight. So I went and looked and in Twilight, there's like a time jump. They jump to like where they're just sitting together. And I'm like, this is interesting. So anyways, as I just said, Bella fucking screams, which I'm like, "Eh, it doesn't sound like something Bella would do, but okay. Maybe that's why it did the time jump. Bella is embarrassed about the scream and she's like, let's just go to the more interesting part. Yeah, fair. Um, She's basically worried that what's happening to Edward's skin is hurting him. And he reassures her that it is not. And he's shook because she's like, she basically does that thing that you see in corny movies where like somebody puts on a nice outfit and then someone else like walks around them in a circle. That's literally what Bella does. And she's just thinking about how beautiful he is. And he's like, she is repulsed by me. And then when she calls him beautiful, he like can't accept it. Here's what I will say though. You do have to give them credit for how vulnerable they are. I, I listen, I know this is corny as shit. I really do. But as someone who is literally in a new relationship right now, yes, the haters are screaming. It's fine. We're going to move on. We're not going to dwell on it. It's like scary. It's scary. So like reading this, it was weird for me because I've never like read these books as someone (laughs) in a relationship. I don't think. Because, like, I'm pretty sure all mine happened in between when I was obsessed with them and now. So, I don't know. I just was, like, I kind of felt for them a little bit. Yeah, I mean, we all have our insecurities that we don't like, and the things that we don't like about ourselves. And having to put all of that on the table when you have a new relationship, it is extremely nerve-wracking. Because it's like, what if this is a deal-breaker? You know, I feel like I love this person, but, like, what if they don't love this about me and it's going to be a no from them, dog, you know? It's very stressful. <laughs> it is. And while we're on the subject, I also want to say on the other end of the spectrum, the other overwhelming thought I had after reading this chapter was like, even like, this is an advice to all of you out there. If you have a new boyfriend or girlfriend or, you know, significant other, if you think you love them and it's still pretty new, Keep that shit to yourself. (laughs) You know what? You don't need to say it. (laughs) I'm just, that's my opinion. That's just my opinion. But I'm like, why was it necessary for them to go all out? They could have just chilled with that knowledge. I told my middle school boyfriend, I love you on the first day we started dating. And I think, you know, 
15 years later, I think he still hates me. I think he does. My soul literally just got sucked out of me with a vacuum. I cannot believe you did that. <laughs> fifth grade. I don't blame myself. I was like 11. <laughs> I don't blame you either. I'm blaming Edward and Bella because they are, one is 104, the other is 17. Okay. Yeah. You, you gotta learn by now. Edward, you know, he's book smart, but he is not social smart. How many times are we going to say this? That is a reoccurring theme. It's one of the motifs, if you will. <laughs> oh, I like that. I like that literary term you just threw in. I guess we have to go over the content. Listen, if I went over every, I'm just warning you all now. If I went over every detail in this, we would be here for the next three hours. Paige has a video game she wants to play. So I'm just going to hit the highlights because I literally, this is like the length of like three chapters. And I don't know. I liked reading it more in Twilight than I did in this one. And because, I mean, it was still semi-lengthy in Twilight, but you finally feel like you're reaching that point with Bella and I'm just so excited for her. Like all of her worries are validated and it's the same thing with Edward. Don't get me wrong. All of his worries, you know, he gets confirmation that he doesn't have to worry about them, but he takes 80 pages to say it, you know, (laughs) you don't got to be so verbose. Yeah, that's fair. So would you say that that is the main reason that you liked reading it in Twilight better is because of like, how it was told. I I like Bella as a character more than I do Edward. So I liked it more from her perspective. It's hard for me to be really gung-ho when I have a bias in this book, you know? Um, it is interesting to see, like, all the supernatural sides and him, you know, reading people's minds and stuff. That's really interesting, and I like that a lot. Do I like reading Edward's mind? I don't know if I like that. (laughs) Fair. (laughs) All right. Well, I guess I'll just hit the highlights. Stop me along the way if you have anything you want to point out. So I'm pretty sure anyone who has a basic understanding of Twilight knows what this chapter is all about. So this is a good chapter for me to just skim. Um, But they have this whole thing where they're sitting together and then... Um, Edward is just kind of like sitting there silently just thinking about stuff and before we kind of talk about that Paige do you want to tell the listeners what the snapchat was that you sent me Jeez, Louise okay so we're on page 347 basically the premise of what leads up to this sentence is Edward finally decides that he's going to be vulnerable with Bella in a way that he hasn't before. And he's really gonna think about her anatomy and not, not gross, like her literal organs and the blood, the thing that vampires have as a life force, he's going to succumb. He's going to let himself hear what's going on inside of her body and like almost feed into the temptation to see if he can withstand it, I guess. So he, he, I think she has her head on his chest or he's leaning on her, something to the extent where he is very close and he can hear her literal heartbeat very loud. He can hear the blood pumping through her veins. But at the very bottom of page 347, Edward decides to say, my calculations in audio recall stuttered and stalled and she had all my attention even as her heart throbbed wetly just a foot away from my ear. Here's what I got to say to you, Stephanie. Never put those words together. I don't want wetly and throbbed together. I don't need it. I don't need it. I definitely don't need it. (laughs) So accurate. My note, which is in general about that part and in general was, the way he talks about her blood slash heart is actually so disgusting, LOL. It's like, so disgusting. It's just so graphic. Like, what? I just, why? Yeah, I, I really think that Stephanie decided she wanted to explore a little bit with her writing and see, like, how, how much she could skirt the line of, like, gore without it 
being actual gore. And you know what? She just dove right on in, sweaty. She just did it. See, I agree, but I don't think it was gore. I think she was like, hmm, y'all like Fifty Shades of Grey so much? But. <laughs> yeah, it's gore, but with the verbology of sensuality. Like, it's wet and pulsating, but it's also gore. <laughs> I hate the word pulsating. Do you like that I paired it with wet? No! Basically, any word with wet is not good. I'm just shaking my head to the listeners. That's all I'm doing. (laughs) And while we're on the subject of this bullshit, Edward to, like, you know, he basically decides that he's going to see if he can be extremely distracted and still, like, contain his self-control. So this weird-ass motherfucker (laughs) starts thinking about all the fucking insects all the fucking, I just get, I gotta read it. I can't even put it into words. First, I gathered information. I triangulated the exact location of the birds I could hear, and then by their calls, identified each, each one's genus and species. I analyzed the irregular splash that revealed life in the stream, and after equating the water displaced with the size of the fish, deduced the most likely variety. Categorized the nearby insects. Unlike the more developed species, insects ignored my kind as they would a stone. By the speed of their wing movements and the elevation of their flight, or the tiny clicking sounds of their legs against the soil. Meanwhile, he's like thinking of songs that he heard one time in his 104 years of afterlife. He's so weird! Can I read you the note that I took for this? Yes, please do. Okay. Imagine you're finally on a romantic date with your crush, and he is calculating and triangulating bugs. I just, I get why he's doing it. It's just embarrassing to read. Like, what if, what if Bella got this book and read it, and she read that was what was going on in his head right now? She's like, her heart is beating so fast because she's so close to him, and she's, oh my gosh, we we might kiss today. That might happen. And he's like, one ant, two ant. <laughs> Three ant. Really, <laughs> so insane. She would be so pissed if she read this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so this is all going on, and then they have that moment where Bella is basically like touching his arms and stuff, and his hands, and like tracing his arm or whatever the fuck. I don't really care enough to look. Um. And they, like, lean closer and closer, and Bella, like, leans forward to inhale his scent, because she's a psycho like that, as we have discussed on multiple occasions. And he, as we know, jumps across the meadow, like, in a split second, so that he doesn't end up killing her. I just want to say, page 350. My first thought as I landed crouched in the shadows of the trees was her hands, and relief washed over me when I saw they were still attached to her wrists. The fuck you mean still attached? What the fuck? I read that and I was like, I have no words. I, what if the rest of the series, Bella just has two hooks for hands? (laughs) Can you imagine, okay, this is kind of fucked up, but can you imagine him like running with her to the hospital carrying her hands? Well, he has a medical degree. He could just suture them back up right then and there. With what? Grass. Ew. <laughs> God. That somehow reminds me of, remember in Catholic school, how they, like, like so many of us would be presented with this opportunity. They were like, if you ever come across a car accident where someone is dying, you can baptize them with ketchup if they request. <laughs> Do you remember that? <laughs> we all were like, okay, thank you. <laughs> I remember Mr. Murphy went into great detail on, you know, if you have to use Kool-Aid, you can because it is water-based and, you know, obviously it's not ideal, but you can if you need to. I'm like, in what world am I living in where I have Kool-Aid and I'm at a car accident? So then Edward goes into his little fucking show. And my note for this was, 
no offense, but this little freak out still doesn't make sense where he's fucking throwing trees or he's fucking yelling and he's running around. I cannot fucking wait for you to see Robert Pattinson's portrayal of this. It is so funny. Not on purpose. I I just don't want to see any trees get blown up. That's all I hope. No, they don't do it quite as big as the book does it, but he does throw a branch. And he's wearing a pea coat the whole time. I love it. I hate it, but I love it. Same. So then he gets all sad. Um, he says, like, that fire leaves his body because I was what I was. So then he goes back to sit with her again. And he says, please forgive me. I can control myself. You caught me off guard, but I'm on my best behavior now. And then he winks at her because he says, I'm not thirsty today, honestly. And then he says, I actually winked at her. One would think I was 13 instead of 104. I'm like, yeah, winking is corny. I agree. Like, imagine, imagine Danny winked at you. What would you do? I'd probably laugh. (laughs) I straight up would be like, don't ever do that again. It's it's definitely not anything that I would take seriously, that's for sure. Even if it was meant to be serious, I would never be able to take it seriously. I feel like you can only wink ironically. There's no other way to do it. Mm-hmm. I agree. So then he has a moment where he reflects on, um, because he's just thinking about how accepting Bella is of him. So he thinks about when he came back from hunting down rapists and murderers. Um, and rejoined Carlisle and Esme. And it's just so prodigal son. Did it feel like that to you? Absolutely, it did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, For those of you who might not know that story, um, it's a biblical story in which um, this son, like, inherit. well, the dad decides to give him his portion of, like, his inheritance before he dies. So the son goes and, like, squanders it on, like, honestly, it sounds kind of fun, like, boats and hoes, basically. And, but then he, like, ends up with no money, no job. He's, like, is he homeless or something? He basically stays in, like, a pigsty. Yeah, that's right. And so then he decides to go crawling back to his dad, and his dad welcomes him with open arms and has a feast to, like, celebrate. So this is very, like, the same thing. Because Carlisle and Esme have no judgment for, like, what he's been up to. They're just happy that he's back. So... What is next that I care about enough to talk about? (sighs) Um, Bella says that she's afraid that she wants to stay with him. And he, being his Debbie Downer self, is like, yep, that's really not in your best interest. I cannot picture in any tone other than that. It sounds right to me. (laughs) Um, Bella says that she's glad that he's too selfish to leave her. And he says, don't be. It's not only your company I crave. Never forget that. Never forget I am more dangerous to you than I am to anyone else. Paige's expression right now, I literally thought my computer was frozen because she's just frozen in like just an expression of disgust. I just, this chapter really brought me back to this feeling that I had in Twilight where it was Edward was always saying that he couldn't stay away from her, but that also don't forget I'm so dangerous and like he kept flip-flopping back and forth like if you're really that dangerous then stay away like keep yourself away like why are you still here and that's how I feel about this like he's still there putting himself out there and like I know he's warning her but it's like we're way past that at this point dude like you're just sounding contradictory right now like I it's hard for me to accept you saying like, well, I'm dangerous. I'm dangerous when you're not really like keeping yourself away. Like you're just still, you're still there in the situation. So it's just hard for me to hear both sides of that. And I know Bella has her own agency and she wants to be there, but I don't know. I'm just, I'm just sick of it. It's still very tiring to read. Yeah. So then they have the whole discussion about, why he appeals or she appeals so much more to him, you know, than other humans do. Mm -hmm. There's this very brief, and I can't remember if this has been talked about before, the fact that Carlisle requires 
the others to go to the funerals of people that they've killed. Did you know this? I didn't know it, but I 100% loved it. I gotta say, I'm like, Ugh. yeah, sit in, sit in your filth. You, you did this, so you gotta suffer. I like that a lot. Yeah, I think I do too, but I've also seen like compelling things on Tumblr where people are like, it's kind of gross that they go and like impose themselves on these people. I don't know. I'd have to like read specifically what was said again, but I mean, imagine someone random shows up at like your husband's funeral, like a, a bunch of randoms and they're beautiful. So they don't really fit in. Yeah. I mean, I was under the impression that it was just the singular person who had to go, not the whole family. It might be, I guess I don't really say. I just, I, in my mind, I'm picturing like a big service and you could easily like slip in and be undetected and have to sit like it may be in the back hearing everyone mourning and being sad and looking at the ripples of what you've done for selfish reasons. So I just liked that. Like I said, you, that he makes people sit in the the chaos that they've created, basically. Like, this is what you've done, and here are the repercussions of it. This was a person, look at all of these people who love them and have a relationship with them, and your one thing that you've done, how many people you've impacted from it. I liked, I liked that, that you, like, when you see a person just walking around King Supers, they're just a person, you know, they're just a person. But to physically see with your eyes the amount of people who are impacted by the loss of one singular person, I feel like it's a quantifiable way of seeing the impact of a death like that, you know? Yeah, yeah, I agree. That's a good point. I would be interested, though, to see the arguments for the other side. I would. I might just skim through our likes on Twitter or on Tumblr because that's where I save some stuff sometimes. I don't think I'm, I saved anything on this. But let me just see. Really quick. I do like that they gave like monetary aid because I'm like, we need that wealth distribution because we all know you got too much. Mm-hmm. I like that too. I'm not seeing anything, but if I if something comes out, I will definitely read it. Or send it to you. Um, okay. There's something that I skipped that I wanted to go over. Oh, on the bottom of page 358, um, this is when Edward's trying to, like, use different analogies to explain how Bella tempts him. And so he says, she grinned, a smile with real humor and affinity. The dimple sprang into existence. Her grin made me feel as though we were in this ludicrous situation together, not as opponents, but as partners working side by side to find a solution. I couldn't think of anything I would wish for more, besides, of course, the impossible, that I could be human too. I grinned back at her, but I knew my smile was neither as genuine nor as guiltless as hers. My thing with this is, like, that is literally the situation. Like, that's what a healthy relationship is. Mm -hmm. You just described one. Yeah, and I feel like if they both could just be open and honest and communicate what they're feeling and, you know, what they're worried about and where they want to go from there. I think they could work into a healthy relationship, but that's not what's happening right now. But what he's describing is ideal. Yeah. I kind of feel like they're already kind of doing it. At least the part where he's saying like they're working side by side to find a solution. I'm like, you literally are. She's like risking her life here, sitting here with you. You're risking your happiness sitting here with her. (laughs) What else do you want? He just wants to be human. Uh, He just has to find a problem with everything. But, I mean, to be fair, I would have a problem with it, too. But he's just, he can't let himself be happy. He can't. Sad. Yeah. Um, So Bella asks, you know, because Edward mentions that this has happened to Emmett twice before, and Bella is like, oh, what did he do? And then Edward has to be like, they died. (laughs) He doesn't even say it. She says, I guess I know. Oh my god, Tina's head just popped up on the side of the camera. Yeah, she's like standing above to the side right now. We are 55 minutes into our call and she hasn't left yet, so that's pretty impressive. She's snapping a little bit. Love that for her. And then 
This part didn't really make sense to me where she was like, what are you asking my permission? The hard edge in her voice sounded like sarcasm. He thinks that he like misinterpreted it because she ends up saying, is there no hope then? But I'm like, I think you kind of interpreted it correctly. Like, is she, what did, what did you think about this? It was a confusing little bit of dialogue. I kind of, what I thought was almost Bella being confronted with the reality of things. I mean, Edward, I has Edward had the conversation with her yet where he talks about killing the rapists and the murderers? Or is that when he's at the Cullens' home, when they're together? I don't remember exactly when it happens, but I don't think it's happened yet. Okay. So at this point, Bella just kind of knows he's a vampire and that they're all capable of killing. But I think that this might be like one of her first realizations that literal murder has happened. And Edward, he, I mean, he doesn't describe, he not describes it, but he kind of like gives her a picture of what's going on. And I think this, this outburst is kind of her reacting to like, Oh, right. These people have murdered people before so I kind of get the loudness of it it does kind of seem like a miscommunication or like the outburst doesn't really match what he's saying but I can understand why the energy is there yeah yeah I guess I was just kind of confused by it because I'm like I thought she was kind of mad but then it seems like she's not mad like she's giving him permission to kill her I don't know they move on from it quick, so it doesn't really matter, but I was confused. I mean, Bella has been pretty outspoken about that she's risking dying being here, so I feel like she's not giving him permission, but she's accepted the stakes. Yeah, that's fair. When you said that, I pictured steak, and I was like, oh, that sounds good. That sounds good. <laughs> um... So then Edward kind of goes into an explanation of everything that has happened since they met. And then he says, and for all that, I'd have fared better if I had exposed us all at that first moment than now at that first moment being when they met in that class. Then if now here with no witnesses and nothing to stop me, I were to hurt you. And I love that she says why, because I do this too, where I'm like, I know the answer. I just want you to fucking say it. I like to hear it spoken out loud. Yes, definitely. So then he says, I couldn't live with myself if I ever hurt you. You don't know how it's tortured me. Blah, blah, blah. You are the most important thing to me now. The most important thing to me ever. And then Bella says, I'm here, which roughly translated means... I would rather die than stay away from you. I guess they never actually say, I love you, which is almost worse. I mean, he said it in his head. So the, I know I've read it many times at this point in this book. So the energy is there. In my head, I feel like they've said it. Yeah. No, they haven't actually said it. Yeah, I'm just like, this is almost more dramatic than it. It's almost it's like, I'm just, yuck. <laughs> just yuck my thing is it's like you guys I know you like have faced conflict together but I'm like and I know he's not human so I guess none of this really works but I was gonna say like you need to find out like does he fucking leave crumbs on the counter does he like there's all this stuff that you don't know you can't know if you love a person I mean I know it's deeper than crumbs that was the only thing I could think of at the moment but I mean there's things that I mean aren't necessarily deal breakers but things that I would have a conversation with the person about, hey, this is something that is a problem for me. I think that would there be, would there be any way that we can work around this or work towards changing it? There's all kinds of things like that that people have small problems with or bigger problems with, and they don't know anything about each other like that yet. Nothing. And it's like, how is he going to react when you have a down day and you don't feel like talking? Does he care that sometimes you're going to poop and it's going to smell? Is he going to take care of you when you're sick? How does he treat bus drivers? There's all this stuff. They don't know anything. Mm -hmm. That's a really good point. 
it bothers me. I don't know. Not in the, a way that I'm like, eh, I'm like so much better than them because I would never do this in a way that I'm like, I want better for y'all. I just, I feel like a relationship can be that much better if you guys are open and honest and talk about the things that bother you and, you know, are upfront about these things. But how can you be that when that none of that has even happened yet? It's still like a month in, a month and a half, maybe. Actually, I think it's, I think somewhere in this chapter, Edward says the past few months, insinuating that it's been like two or three months. And I'm like, what? I feel like this has all happened in a week. Well, I think when he says that, he's also referencing um, the like a couple months or six weeks or whatever, and he was ignoring her. So I'm not counting that because they weren't even speaking. Yeah. In fact, I count that as a negative. Yeah. But all the good that's happening now, minus you have to subtract the negative out of that. Is it worth it? I don't know. I don't know either. Then they have this whole stupid line, fell in love with the lamb thing. And it turns out the impetus behind this was Edward being a fucking dickhead about this painting in Philadelphia. He's talking about how Carlisle likes to go into old churches because it reminds him of his childhood. And so they go into one in Philadelphia and this is his asshole description of it. It was quite a small painting, no more than 15 inches square. I guess that it was older than the stone stone church that housed it. The artist was clearly untrained, his style amateurish, not necessary. And yet there was something in the simple, poorly wrought image that managed to convey, managed to convey an emotion. There was a warm vulnerability to the animals depicted, an aching kind of tenderness. I was strangely moved by this kinder universe the artist had envisioned. It's just like, why, why was the rudeness necessary? It's really funny that you say that. Um, I'm going to tie it all back. But Danny and I were talking about music from Twilight um, a couple days ago. And Bella's lullaby got brought up. And he was like, you know, when you're reading it in the book, it sounds like this beautiful piece, like really passionate, a lot going on, just like a really great music piece. And Edward is 104 years old. So he's had this long to perfect his music career and his talent. And he's supposed to be this amazing musician. And then whoever composed Bella's Lullaby in the movies really did it a disservice. And that I'm just picturing like Edward, like hmm, this piece of art, not good. Nothing like the art that I create. And then the art that he creates is just like. <laughs> R.I.P. to Carter Burwell, but I'm built different. <laughs> Here's one for the old Twilight fans. Y'all remember when we all wanted it to be River Flows and You? That one would have been so much better. You know what? I'll play it for you. Even though you didn't ask. (laughs) So much better than what they've come up with. This could have been Bella's lullaby, is what you're saying? This was like, you know when cat, like, people do, like, fan casts? Mm -hmm. Somebody did, like, a fan cast of Bella's lullaby with this song, and it, like, blew up. Like, everyone was in love with it. Oh, my thing's on mute. Um, hold on. Credit to the artist. This is by an artist called Eurema. It's Y- I-R-U-M-A. I don't know why that was so hard for me to spell, sorry. Okay. Just wait till the beat drops. that would have been great it would have been much better than what we got (sighs) or whatever the fuck it sounds like a fucking (laughs) foghorn okay don't care about any of this um so then edward proceeds to get out of the knot 
Um, and he does this by basically like giving himself over to the idea like and picturing what it would actually be like to kill Bella because this whole time he's been like holding back the thought and like blocking it out and repressing it and doing this allows him you know to realize that I mean I'll just use his words um, that future was entirely impossible Bella and I would leave this place hand in hand and my life would finally begin we were through the knot what do you think about this I remember reading in Twilight, there was sort of a shift that you could tell in Edward that he was sort of resolute with feeling like, I've done it. I've overcome what I needed to overcome. Everything from here on out will be good. And feeling confident in that. I remember after this scene in Twilight, I really felt like he had himself under control and that Belloc would be safe with him. And I think that that line just kind of like seals the deal for me. Like this is what, this explains that feeling for me when I read Twilight, that he's finally realized that, you know, this scene, is, is, this, is this the part where he says something to the extent of like, you know, I'm picturing this awesomeness, but, you know, back when I used to, indulge in this lifestyle back with the rapists and the murderers there was always the thirst came back even when I satiated myself there was always two weeks later and I was thirsty again and he allows himself this fantasy of getting to taste Bella's blood and the thirst comes back and then he also has to deal with Bella not being there. And he realizes that's just not something that he wants. It just doesn't seem great to him. And I just thought that this particular scene really shows him getting over that hump and realizing I I want this and I can work towards it. And I feel comfortable being with her and I can control myself. And you, I, I mean, I personally could see it in Twilight, and you can really, really see it here in Midnight Sun. Yeah, it is one of the, like, parts of the chapter that I, like, truly enjoyed reading, because it was, like, such a relief for the reader as well. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was a sigh of relief in Twilight, and it's an even bigger sigh of relief now. Definitely. There is a part of this that I want to talk about um, that's actually like a, a little bit personal to me, but I don't know. I just really related to it. So on page 370, let me find where I was talking about. Is that the bottom? Um, It's towards the bottom. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I also saw very clearly in that moment that there was no separate monster and never had been one eager to disconnect from my mind, eager to disconnect my mind from my desires. I had, as was my habit, personified that hated part of myself to distance it from the parts that I considered me. It was a coping mechanism and not a very good one. Better to see myself as the whole, bad and good, and work with the reality of it. I don't know, this just really resonated with me because back when I was in therapy in college, my it, I'm kind of like the opposite, actually. My therapist was like, um, he did. we did this exercise where he was like, he wanted me to describe like what my depression looked like to me like he was like some people compare it I personally haven't seen the Spider-Man movie but I know enough about it where like there's like that black Spider-Man the one with the black suit you know what I'm talking about mm -hmm. he's like is it like that and I always just kind of like balked at that because I'm like it's part of me it's not separate from me it is me so I think when I read that I was like he's spilling <laughs> the note I the reason why I asked is that the part at the bottom was because I made a note for that specific paragraph that said, I think this is the first time that Edward has ever said something that I wanted to give him a standing ovation for. Very, very insightful and something that I agree with. I mean, we all have our faults and the things that we need to work on and that don't put us in a good light. And it's a part of us and it's something that we can learn to work on a thing something about us that we can I mean we know is a part of us but we can work on to change you know just the negatives of you aren't apart from you they're something that are entwined in you and just Edward admitting that to himself it's like thank you for 
saying something insightful for once. Like, I appreciate you coming to terms with that. And it was good. Good job, Edward. I'm just sitting here drinking my beer because you're saying it all. Mm-hmm. Uh, so after this, he's feeling very euphoric. Um, giddy is the word that he uses. And so he lets Bella kind of like touch his face. And, um, you know, he says, I wish you could feel the complexity, the confusion I feel that you could understand. I'm like, not that complex, not that confusing. <laughs> We've all been there. We all know. Yeah. And then he says he doesn't know how to be close to Bella. Um, and she says that, like, just, you know, sitting with him is enough. Then they realize that it's getting kind of late so that they have to go. And um, the whole running incident happens where Bella gets really sick, which, you know, he didn't think of this in the first place, but we're still mad about it. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's good that he didn't do it in the first place because this whole scene would be 100% different. True. But still. But still. I feel like she would have recovered and then they could have still had this scene. Mm-hmm. Um, he thoroughly enjoys himself. Um, he loves running with her. And then he's like, you know what? I think I'll kiss her. <laughs> And then he has to wait for her to, like, recover from her motion sickness. And then, what was I going to say? Oh, I was going to point out on page 377 where, you know, he's kind of having, like, a minor internal freakout about, like, how pale she is from the motion sickness. And he literally says, I knew this was nothing serious, just a bit of queasiness, and yet, seeing her pale and ill bothered me more than was reasonable. I'm like... If you know you're unreasonable, why do you continue to do it? I thought I almost saw this as a look into, or not a look into, but almost him seeing her vampiric, seeing her so white and so pale in complexion just reminds him of that possible future. And he don't like it. He don't even want to consider it. He don't want to be reminded of it. Damn, I hadn't even thought about that. I was just like, grab up. (laughs) And you're, like, analyzing the deeper meaning behind it. Look, to each their own. (laughs) We need both to make this work. That reminds me, Danny and I were listening to the episode um, where Alice is, when Alice and Edward go hunting, and there was the scene where I thought that Bella was pregnant and you didn't think that. Danny thinks that it was insinuated that she was pregnant because Stephanie Meyer is so Christian. Okay. I guess that he's assuming they would be married then at that point. I don't know about that. But he just said, she's Mormon. I bet she's pregnant. I bet she meant her to be pregnant, you know? Yeah, I mean, there is a lot of, like... I kind of get what you're saying because one issue that people have with traditional religion is like the role of the woman as always having to be the mother so I guess I could see that I still don't think she was pregnant but you know it's up for interpretation I just wanted to bring it back into the thrall the thrall okay fair enough um so then they have their first kiss and Bella goes boing boing this bitch wants that dick and he manages to control himself It's, like, not even hard for him, which is kind of nice to read, um, because, you know, he realizes that he really can control himself. And also, (laughs) did we even say this on air about how horny he is? That was on air, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I think we talked about it a few times, actually. Okay, because, like, this is the part that I think you were referring to. I was definitely referring to. (laughs) He says, um, God, which part do I even want to read? I'm sorry. I'm struggling. I was looking for the part that I kind of was thinking about with him being super horny. And Edward says, in the thrall of things as well. But (laughs) the part that I was talking about was, um... Uh, While perhaps it would be unfair to say that rationality was in total control, at least it was not a feeding passion that made that statement untrue. A much more agreeable passion held me in its thrall. In nature, however, did not eliminate the need to moderate it. 
And that was what I was referencing. Like, he's got to moderate that horniness. <laughs> I was going to say, he popped a boner is what that means. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was also going to point out um, in the middle of the page, the urge to wrap my arms around her and continue the alchemy of kissing was a harder impulse to deny, but I used my decades of practicing self-control to make the right choice. That just makes me think he, like, has self-control in controlling his boners. I mean, here's the real question. If vampires don't have a circulatory system that functions... Girl, <laughs> I know. This is, like, a whole thing. <laughs> Well, I'm glad that the community has already addressed it. <laughs> People are very mad about it online. I mean, I'm mad thinking about it. I I can't I can't understand it. I don't care enough about science to care, but I can see why people would care. Mm-hmm. We'll just leave that where it's at, I guess. <laughs> um, so then they argue about who's going to drive home. Um, and finally Bella relents and lets him take the keys. And then she has a little, this is like totally something that I would say because, um, Edward calls her drunk by, or intoxicated by his very presence. And she says, and are you not affected at all by my presence? I love that. She was standing up for herself. And he, you know, obviously like kisses her jaw again, like a fucking creep, like he loves to do. He says, regardless, I whispered in her ear, I have better reflexes. Paige just took a big sip of beer. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's a um a mule, if you will. Oh, a Moscow mule. Nice. Jealous. <laughs> um, did you have anything we didn't cover? I did have one note, and it's kind of kind of related to a past chapter, but I did want to explore your brain waves. Okay. So it's, I thought about it on page 352. Okay. It's at the very top. Edward is lamenting. And he goes, I was no rooted flytrap waiting for prey to land inside my mouth. Why couldn't I have been as repulsive on the outside as I went on the inside, as I was on the inside? And this is a recurring theme, obviously, through the whole book, and especially through this chapter, that he's repulsed by himself. He hates, he hates who he is, all this and that. And it just made me think back to how much he loves Carlisle and is so, he has so much respect for him and fatherly love towards him. I just, it, it really confused me how he's able to separate that Carlisle is the reason that he's like this and he hates everything about this and he's repulsed by it and he considers himself a monster, but still doesn't hold Carlisle responsible at all. I just read it and I was like, I just don't understand how he can have both opinions. Yeah, I mean, I think... My answer is probably pretty much the same as it was last time we talked about this. I think he just, like, has a deep, deep self-hatred. And he can't, like, I'm pretty sure what I said last time was that he has to believe in Carlisle because he doesn't believe in anything else. So if he allowed himself to, like, like really accept that Carlisle is actually the one to blame for all of this, he would have nothing. Because Carlisle is, like, his foundation. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It just, it really bummed me out, because I was like, yeah, well, there's kind of, like, a root to all of this. Like, you wouldn't be repulsive for, you know, there's, like, a, there is a explanation as to how you got this repulsive, that's for sure. But you don't really want to accept that. Yeah, he does, however, mention at one point in this chapter, he says something along, I don't, I don't know where it is, but he says something along the lines of like, for the first time, I was glad to be what I was because it had, it meant that I got to meet Bella. So I guess that's kind of nice. That was actually kind of cute. I did like that, that, you know, the years and years of being alive, at least it was worth something for him. Yeah, I think he even calls the years like preparation, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah, if only he had known 
all of those years before that there was going to be something leading up to it, he wouldn't have been in so much agony, basically. Yeah. Crazy. All right. Well, for next week, we're going to be reading chapter 18, another fucking Bible, RIP to us. It's called Mind Over Matter, which is what it was also called in Twilight. This is the chapter in Twilight where they don't go and visit the family, but this is where they're in the bedroom together at night. And I feel like I feel like Mind Over Matter was said in regards to Edward being strong enough to be with Bella, like his mind over his temptations, basically. I think that that's the root of it. So this is obviously going to be him at home with Bella. Bella's showering and his mind wandering to and fro. And then she's falling asleep in his arms and... Oh, what a beautiful day. Like all of that. So I think it's, I think the, I think the content is going to be much happier in this chapter than it is in the last chapter because they've obviously overcome the knot. They've worked their way through it and now they're on the uphill basically, but it's still going to be dramatic. <laughs> it, that it has to be. That's his MO. Mm-hmm. I guess that's all we got for you folks. Paige, do you want to do the spiel today? Okay. I, I did not prepare her for this, anyone. I just sprung this on her just now. Okay, so we want to hear from you. We want we want you to communicate with us. So please, we're begging you. <laughs> we're, not, but we're not begging you. We're just politely asking. Um, you can email us at TuesdaysAreForTwilight at gmail.com. Um, we, I've been in that email, and we have, like, no emails. So if you email us, we will immediately see it. Um, you can reach us on Twitter at Taft Pod. That is not the President Taft. It is Tuesdays are for Twilight, but shortened to Taft. Taft Pod. Is it Pod or Podcast? Pod. Pod. Taft Pod. Um, you can reach us on Instagram and on Tumblr at Tuesdays are for Twilight. Um, we don't have Facebook because fuck. And yeah, I, you know, obviously. We're still uh, supporting Move to Higher Ground, the uh, charity for the Quileutes that need anyone's help, everyone's help. Uh, we support you giving us money on Patreon, too. Tuesdays are for Twilight. Patreon.com slash Tuesdays are for Twilight. That's true. I think that's it. I think those are all the things that we hype. I think that's it. I think so. And always remember that if you donate to um, Move to Higher Ground, which is mthg.org, we consider you a patron. Um, mm -hmm. So you can always send us that stuff to get into our patrons only content. We don't have anything planned at the moment, but we'll have something coming up soon for y'all. Yeah. And if you have any thoughts on uh, some ex patron exclusive content, let us know. And uh, we'll, we're, we literally, anytime anyone ever reaches out to us, Emily sends it to him and it sends it to me immediately. I read it immediately. And then we both mutually scream and then talk about it. So if you want to reach out, we are like literally sitting on the edge of our seats waiting for it. So please do it. <laughs> do it. <laughs> yes. You did such a good job on the spiel. Good job, Paige. Thank you. I think I did it out of order, but I got it all. The order's not real. This is, we literally, this is our podcast. We can do whatever we want. You're right. You're right. Do you have anything to add before we sign off? Um, there's been a lot of talk in the tattoo community about um, a really big tattoo uh, machine manufacturer. The, I think he's the, he's either the owner or the CEO. He uh, got on blast because he was putting out some racist, um, he was doing some racist actions um, towards Asian individuals. I don't want to get into it. You can look into it. I don't really want to talk about it because it's disgusting. Um, so my word out here is don't be fucking racist. I don't think any of you would be, but just don't. Retweet. We hope you have a good rest of your week, and we'll see you next week for Chapter 18. Wait, is it 18? 18. Bye, guys. Bye.
Our amazing intro and outro music was performed by Danny Plowman and produced by Alberto Beltran. You can follow Danny at Danimal6, and that's six the word, not six the number, Danimal6 underscore on Instagram. Thank you.